Praise the Lord. So today is Grandparents' Day. I know we're going to have our potluck next Sunday, but I just want to give honor to all the grandparents. I have no grandparents that are alive, um, but I did have an opportunity to meet uh, two of my great-grandparents and then all of my uh, grandparents. And the last one who passed away was my grandfather grandfather on my mom's side and there towards the end I learned to appreciate what he had to offer and I remember I've shared this before but I remember calling up my grandfather and he lived in San Jose and I said grandpa we're going to be coming down for a conference there in San Jose and I was just wondering we have an opportunity we have some Maybe we can get together for breakfast or lunch. And he said, okay, yeah, uh, th this day would be perfect. He goes, let me get back with you. So he did. He got back with me, and he said, okay, let's meet at this restaurant at this time. I went there, and here is, you know, my grandpa had 11 children. And here is a bunch of my aunts and uncles and cousins. And he had called them up and said, Jimmy's coming to town, and um, we're going to go out to eat. So we got there. And we were standing there, and he, everyone went, and he goes, Jimmy, he goes, you go ahead and order right in front, in front of me. He goes, I'm paying for your meal. So me and my wife, and we had a couple of our boys with us. And so um, as I, we all sat together, and he had me sit right across from him at the table, and all my bunch of aunts and uncles and cousins were there. And he said, why did you uh, want to meet with me? And I said, Grandpa, I just want to ask you, I want to talk to you concerning your faith. Because he was very devout. He had a prayer room in his house. You know, a three-story house, 2,200 square feet per floor. And basement, main level, and then the third level. And you would walk up these stairs and girls, which, what side, Mother, was the girls' rest, uh, restrooms, bedrooms on? The, the girls were on the right or left. So my, my mom, there was five girls and six boys. She was the oldest girl, so she got her own bedroom, favoritism. She was highly favored. And, uh, but they had a prayer room right there. I remember this prayer room. Do I remember this right? Mother, it was all red carpet, stained glass, a statue of Mary right there. So he was very devout. Uh, my grandfather was very devout in his beliefs, so I asked him concerning his beliefs. And then I asked him concerning the history of his family. And um, I got to spend time with him. I wish I would have had that opportunity to spend with the other grandparents and have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. But I was able to glean and reach back and hear some of the, his stories when he was growing up and um, his parents and what it was like. And um, I did have an opportunity to um, spend some time with my grandpa Thorson, too. Uh, but my grandmas, both my grandmas were younger when I passed away. But I did get to spend time with both my grandpas. And um, I feel like I was blessed by them. One day I shared with my dad a scripture I was reading. It said, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. And when I read that, I thought about my grandfathers. And I thought about my grandpa Thorson. He died when I was early 20s. And um, he left me an inheritance of $60,000. And two of my sisters, they got 60000 each. And then all the rest went to my dad because my dad was an only son. And my mom, mom got some. And um, he had two sisters. My grandpa had two sisters. And he gave a little to each of them. And I was able to buy my first house, that down payment, with that inheritance money. And my other grandpa, when he passed away, he had an old electrical business and plumbing business. And I remember going down there. My uncle called me up, and he said, my, my mom's oldest brother. And uh, he said, Grandpa had very specific, precise instructions that all the plumbing, supplies, tools, whatever, goes to Jimmy. 
So I got to his place, and there was this big yard full of plumbing stuff. Some of it was really old, rusted out, but I was able to take some of the tools um, that I inherited from that grandpa, my mom's dad. But there towards the end, I would call him. I would, we would email. We talked often. And I remember my mom would ask me, how's grandpa doing? <laughs> I think everyone was as afraid of my grandpa except for me. And so I would call him and just talk to him. And my sister would say, "He, Grandpa, you're just like Grandpa. And I go, well, if I'm just like Grandpa, I need to find out about this guy. <laughs> but I do give honor to my grandparents, and I give honor to the grandparents that are here today. It, would you raise your hand if you're a grandparent? How many do we have here today? There's quite a bit. Let's, yeah, let's give a hand clap. <laughs> What's that? And great-grandparents. There's some great ones here. I'm not a grandpa yet, um, but we have plenty of opportunity having eight children. <laughs> Rosette, <laughs> now that she's graduated from college, you know, she, she hasn't married yet, but when she ha starts having children, I could be a grandpa. I, I can't wait for the day when they tell my children, we want to go hang out with grandpa today. I can't wait for that day because I'm going to spoil them and then send them home. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I definitely do give honor to all the grandmothers, grandfathers here today. I know that um, my grandparents had a great influence in my life, all of them, even my grandma Thorson. I was her favorite grandchild. She did not like girls. And I was her only grandson. And that's true. It's a true statement. And so um, she would spoil me extra. And um, that was my grandma Thorson. And then my, my grandma Dias, my mom's mother, she was um, a, an interesting character. And I remember she would come and visit us, and she would knit these little sweaters for our poodle dog. And I would just love to sit there and watch her. And like if I reached across the table to grab something, she'd like bite my arm. She said, that's not proper. <laughs> so she was tough, but you could tell she, she loved us. And I remember pretending to be sick. Uh, my dad being a pastor, I pretended to be sick um, when they had church so I could stay with my grandma. So a um, lot of good memories of... And my great-grandmother, my mom's dad's mother, uh, she lived to be how old, mother? 102. And so we got a picture with her uh, and my wife and my uh, grandpa and his mother, my grandma, when my son Jesse was a baby. So we have a multi-generational picture. And... Uh, she was a stubborn lady, and um, she probably didn't have the best reputation, but that's my grandparents. So she was the American Indian, where we get some of that from, full-blooded American Indian, to my understanding. So, um, all right, grandparents, we're going to honor you. We're going to have a potluck next Sunday, and it's next Sunday. Am, am I correct, Patrick? It's your mother's birthday, and she's going to be 90, 90 old? Nine, oh, 94. All right. So we're going to have a birthday next Sunday, and it's my son Judah's birthday as well. Same day. And we're going to have quite a group here next Sunday. We're going to let Christian Life College students, anywhere between 7 and 10 students, run the entire service. They'll be doing the music. They'll be preaching, and so it's going to probably be exciting. You know, youth, there might be a little bit of this and, you know, jumping and shouting and excitement. What's that? <laughs> they jump a lot. So, you know, the energy of youth. So run around the church, get excited. Yeah. That's exhausting to us gray-haired people. Praise the Lord.
But anyways, I would uh, like to, if we could stand to honor God's word today. I'm going to read from Joshua chapter 24, starting at verse 14. Joshua chapter 24, starting at verse 14. And it says, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Where's Brother Buddy? Brother Buddy, would you ask the Lord's blessing today? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Today I want to talk to you about defining moments. And I would like to look at the life of Joshua as an example. Each and every one of us here have had defining moments in our lives. Those moments in which it kind of gives us who we are. Times when we made decisions. And Mr. Google said this about a defining moment. He said, a defining moment is a point in your life when you're urged to make a pivotal decision or when you experience something that fundamentally changes you. It's a defining moment, that point where you're urged to make a pivotal decision. And you can see this in this verse that we read in Joshua chapter 24 where Joshua is saying, choose you this day whom ye will serve. He's urging them. He's urging the children of Israel to make a decision. He's telling them this is a pivotal decision. And he said, um, whether it's the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but now, he makes this decision. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I remember uh, as a young man uh, getting that scripture and having it on a walking mat when you entered. Our, I still do have those, Sister Kathy. She gave me two. But. I had one when you would walk into my house that said, uh, choose you this day whom you, whom you will serve. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I had made that decision as a young person. And this scripture has been on my wall. It's been on the walking mat. And we have two walking mats now that have this particular verse on it. So Joshua, he's near the end of his life. And he's urging the children of Israel to make that pivotal decision. He's urging them. Joshua had made up in his mind that he and his house would serve the Lord. Can he make that decision without consulting his family first? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> it doesn't really seem fit with the philosophy of this day and age. But what if I put my foot down and decided that this is the way it's going to be? I will serve the Lord, and those in my house will serve the Lord as well. So who was Joshua to make such a decision? What was it that Joshua had experienced in his life that made him make such a strong statement? How did he come to this place? What were the defining moments in Joshua's life. You guys have all had defining moments. Joshua was the leader that led the children of Israel after the death of Moses. He's the one that led the children of Israel into the promised land, and they fought battles, they conquered territory and land. That's who Joshua was. He's most known for what? 
What do you guys most know him for? Jericho, right? And uh, he's, that's the most famous battle. It's the first battle that he fought. And so Joshua, he fought a number of battles. He fought Jericho. And we read about that in Joshua. We're not going to read all these verses. But we read about that in Joshua chapter 6, verses 12 through 27, where they literally marched around the city once and then went back to their camp. They marched around the city second day once, went back to their camp. And, you know, Jericho was shut up tight. They had heard that the children of Israel were coming. And in the land of Canaan, there was a reputation uh, because I think word had gotten back that the entire Egyptian army was destroyed. It was, they were just Red Sea, I mean, just going across. It, it was completely destroyed. And so they shut up the city. And the Bible says that the walls in Jericho, they were so wide, they were so thick that you could race, they said you could race chariots on top. Now, my wife and I, we went to Jericho when we were in Israel in 2017. And we supposedly visited the site where they believe Jericho was. And they were just walking us through, and I said, I don't think this is it. I told my wife, this does, I don't think so. I mean, I think I could run and jump over this wall. I know it's just ruins, but I was just trying to imagine. And so that's that first battle. We're not going to talk a lot about it. That's found in Joshua chapter 6. The second battle was that battle against Ai. It's the, the battle that they lost. And then um, they went and they came back from that battle after losing it, and he began to seek the Lord. And, he, you know, he, he was predetermined that this was going to be the guy that led the children of Israel into the promised land and conquered the land. And so why did they lose this battle? We can read about that in Joshua chapter 7. And then in Joshua chapter 8, it's that second battle against Ai. The third battle we read about is, or the third, five kings of Amorites, Kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon. Five of them gathered together because Jericho was a pretty big city. That's pretty. And then here they beat Ai, and now these five kings are worried. So they joined together to come fight against the children of Israel. So they won that battle. Then, and that's in Joshua 10. And then Makeda, Joshua 10, 28. Libna, Joshua 10, 29 through 30. Lachish, Josh, Joshua 10, 31 through 32, Gezer, Joshua 10, 33, Eglon, Joshua 10, 34 through 35, Hebron, Joshua 10, 36 through 37, Deber, Joshua 10, 38 and 39, the northern part of Canaan, Joshua 11, 1 through 9, and Hazor, uh, Joshua 11, 12 through 17. That's a lot of battles. And we read about it in the book of Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 12, there are 31 kings that are listed that Joshua defeated. And you could read about the, uh, the, the kings of particular places in that chapter. So when you think of Joshua, what do you think of? What kind of man was Joshua? A warrior? Yeah, that's what a lot of people think. But he wasn't always a warrior. What about before that? What were the defining moments of Joshua's life? You ever think that Joshua was a servant to Moses? We read in Exodus chapter 24, verse 12, where it says, The Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister, Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. So Joshua ministered anything that Moses wanted, anything that Moses desired, Joshua was there to minister to him. Uh, we also read in Numbers chapter 11, verse 28, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses. So Joshua was a servant. He was a minister to Moses. He ministered to the needs of Moses. And we read in Exodus chapter 33 something else about Joshua. 
And this, you know, every time I read it, I think about this situation. The Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, departed not out of the tabernacle. He did not depart out of the tabernacle. Even when Moses had departed from the tabernacle into the camp, Joshua stayed there at the tabernacle. Could it be that Moses wanted him there in case the Lord spoke in the absence of Moses? There, Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. It wasn't Aaron that it says that Aaron stayed in the tabernacle. It was Joshua who stayed there at the tabernacle. And so that was, a, that was probably some things that he learned, Joshua, being around Moses, being around the one that everyone was afraid of because his face shone because he was in the presence of God. He had seen God face to face, and he had to put that veil over his face because there was that glory that just reflected off of the skin of Moses. But Joshua was his servant. Joshua was there with Moses. He was a man, Joshua was, who wholly, with his whole heart, followed the Lord. We read in Numbers chapter 23, verse 12, about Caleb. Caleb was one, another good guy, right, Caleb? Yeah. Were you named after Caleb? Oh, I was named after Caleb. Numbers 23, verse 12 says, Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Because there was 12 spies that Moses sent. Do you guys remember? Just when they came out of Egypt. Moses sent 12 spies, one out of each of the 12 tribes. They said, go, he said, go spy out the land. And they go and they spy out the land. And they come back and they've got grapes and they said, truly this is a land that flows with milk and honey, which tells you what? There's a lot of fertility. There's a lot of growth. Um, you know, honey is, it comes from bees and that means, you know, to have a land that's full of honey means there is a lot of flowering and fruit and, and to have a land that flows with milk, that means a lot of baby goats being born and that's mainly what they drank was goat, goat's milk back in those days. So there's a lot of fertility, a land, a lot of milk, a lot of honey, right? And so they came back and they said, yep, truly is a land that flows with milk and honey. Here's the problem. There's giants in the land. And we can't conquer these giants. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. And here's Caleb and said, Caleb said, hey, we can do it. We can do it. We can, we can do, do this thing, guys. And uh, they wanted to kill Caleb. They wanted to shut him up. And Joshua and Caleb fell down. They began to seek the Lord. But these two were the only two of the 12 that were really trying to encourage the children of Israel that, hey, we can go into the land. We can do this. And because of that, the Lord did not allow them to go in for 40 years. They wandered through the wilderness. And out of those 12 original spies, only two lived long enough to make it into the promised land. That was Joshua and that was Caleb. So Joshua was a general of the army under Moses. He was the one that Moses would send into army. That was Joshua. He was a man that was chosen to lead the children of He was a man who made the decision that he and his house would serve the Lord. He made that decision. I've made some decisions like that for my family. Um, you know, when they were little, I would tell them things. And I would say, as for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. And so it made me think of some things. Joshua, what were the defining moments in his life? I want to read something here. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, building up to this thing that I had thought about a number of times over the years. It says, Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong 
and go in and possess the land, whither ye go to possess it, that ye may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. So here's the commandment from the Lord. Be strong. Follow the commandments of the Lord. And so Joshua was given several commandments through his lifetime of being strong. We can see this in Deuteronomy 31, starting at verse 6. I will read them all. There's several of them here. Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8 says, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Don't be afraid of those giants. Verse 7 says, And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto our, to their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Joshua, you're going to be the one. You're going to be the one that leads this people. Moses was not allowed to go in, but he spoke this to Joshua in front of all the people. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 23 says, And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge, and said, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. Be strong, Joshua. Be of good courage, because you're going to lead the children of Israel into the land that was promised unto their forefathers. In Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it says this, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, Joshua, you need to arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong. This is what the Lord tells him now. Be strong and have a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only, verse 7, be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And this next verse, the only place in the entire scripture where the word success is used. Pay attention to how it's used. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Meditating in the word of the Lord, Joshua. Do it day and night. Verse 9 says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, Joshua, Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 18, skipping down, this is where the officers of the people begin to encourage Joshua to be strong. This is what they said to him. Um, 
Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment. This is the officers of the children of Israel telling Joshua this. And will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him. He shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. So Joshua, we can see multiple scripture after multiple scripture where he's encouraged by the Lord, where he's encouraged before that by Moses, where he's encouraged even by the elders of the people to be strong and of a good courage. And then we see right later on, Joshua 10, verse 25. Now Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of a good courage. Now Joshua is encouraging the people to be strong and of a good courage. For thus shall the Lord do all your enemy, uh, or for thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. Joshua 24, it says this in verse 11 through 13. Now, my sister Christy and I have talked about this. How many have listened to the podcast uh, Kingdom Speak? Anybody? Anyone? Oh, just me and Christy and my son Jesse, I know, my mother. Um, we were talking about something on Kingdom Speak. And it kind of relates with this story a little bit. And uh, in Joshua 24, 11 through 13, Joshua is saying, Ye went over Jordan, came unto Jericho. I'm sorry, I, this is not Joshua here. This is, uh, is this the Lord speaking? Joshua 24, 11, Ye went over Jordan, and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. Now here's this verse. Remember this, Christy? I have given you a land for which ye did not labor. God is saying, I've given you some land. You didn't even work for it. You didn't labor. And cities which ye built not. And ye dwell in them, ye dwell in these cities, and the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do ye eat. So, you know, these giants in the land, all these people that are in the land, they're building cities, and they have no idea, but they're building this for the people of God. Isn't that pretty nice? Thankful. There may be giants that are building stuff for us. I'm so thankful for that. You know, during COVID, I heard this. I just heard this yesterday. During COVID, a lot of uh, churches... Um, they started, you know, doing Zoom and where you can watch live, you know, on your, on your Facebook or a YouTube channel. And a lot of churches stopped meeting in person. And then when they opened everything back up, uh, a lot of the churches, people didn't come back. And so they started, some of these churches went up for sale and they were selling them on pennies on the dollar. And some of the churches and some of these, our apostolic brethren started buying up some of these places, um, you know, places they didn't build, places they didn't labor for, places they didn't really work for. While other things may have shut down, God really blessed. And this scripture, Christy really liked this one. She just really thought this should be just, you know, she was like rejoicing and shouting over Proverbs 13, 22 where it says, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children for grandparents' day. But this next part, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So there's that guy, that sinner. He's going out there. He's making all the money he can make. He's working hard as he can work. And he's building up things for himself. But he doesn't know that he's building up his wealth for the just. That's pretty amazing, isn't it, when you think about it? Joshua got to experience this. This is what the Lord told him. You're going to go into a land, and you're going you're to inherit some land, and it's already been worked. 
You know, could you imagine already getting there? The vineyard's already been planted. Everything's growing really good. The houses are nice. The stuff that's in them, really nice quality stuff. You don't even have to work. It's already there, prepared for you. You're good to go. Joshua got to experience this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, I don't know if you guys, start starting at verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, I've got that scripture right there on that door. Above that door it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is Shema, is the Hebrew word for hear. It means listen. And that's what the Jewish children from the time they're born, the very first thing that that Jewish mother and father, they whisper into that baby's ear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And they quote that Shema, that, you know, I can't speak Hebrew, but it's like Shema Yisrael, you know, whatever. Anyone else can quote uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 in Hebrew? I know some people can. I should learn that. Brother McAtee, I should learn that. Can you do it? Quote it. Did you guys hear that? We should have him speak into the microphone. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheno, Adonai Echad. Okay. So that's what they would hear, these little, all their lives, and they quote it every day, multiple times a day. And when you go into Israel and you walk into a grocery store, they have a little, little thing right here on the, on the, above the doors. And in there, if you take this little pouch thing and open it, there's a little roll of that scripture, the Shema. And you, when you go to the wailing wall and you see the Jews have these things on their arms with little boxes and they have things on their head, little boxes, and you open those little boxes, it has the scripture, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They take it very literal in Israel. They have these things tied around their arms. And they've got these boxes on their head, and they do these ceremonies for the, for the boys, you know, their bar mitzvah and the bas mitzvah for the girls. And they do these, and they, they can start wearing these little boxes on their arms and on their head. It's like a big deal. Teach them diligently unto thy children. Shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So here's that Joshua who brought them in to the promised land. And they, now he's getting towards the end of his life. He, has, he lives to be 110 years old. And they've, he's been, they've gone in, they've conquered the land, and they've divided amongst the 12 tribes all their lots and who was going to live where. And, and uh, Joshua and Caleb, the two spies. So Joshua, I begin to think about his life, the defining moments of his life, going all the way back as far as I could, and he was a servant to Moses. He was around Moses. He got to experience uh, things that Moses experienced. He was with Moses during some of these big moments in Moses' life. 
and he was a servant. He was a minister, and he did whatever Moses asked him to do. I didn't read all the scriptures about Joshua, but he lived to be 110 years old, and now he's at the end of his life, and we read and we started with that scripture. Let's read it again. Joshua 24, 14. Joshua says, now, therefore, fear the Lord. I've been through all these things in my life. I got to see, I've got to see the day we left Egypt, you know, when the Egyptian army was following us, and we went through on dry ground. We crossed over on dry ground, and we got to see the entire Egyptian army destroyed. He got to see all of that. When Moses went up to the mountain, I went over there with him, and when, you know, I was in the tabernacle, I stayed there even when Moses left. And, you know, I served Moses, I ministered to him. And uh, when all the other spies, they were saying, hey, we're too little to, to go into this land and we're just like grasshoppers. I was there with Caleb and we were just trying to convince him, no, we can do this thing. We've got the Lord on our side. Haven't you seen all these mighty miracles that he did to even bring us out of Egypt? Our God is stronger. They tried it, but the people tried, they wanted to kill him. But he says, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so defining moments where Google says, Mr. Google, Brother Google, whoever, whoever Google is, when you Google it, defining moment is a point in your life when you're urged to make that pivotal decision, or when you experience something that fundamentally changes you. And I can tell you there have been some defining moments in my life, some pivotal moments. Being raised in church my entire life, going to church as a little boy and be there before service for prayer, kneeling down, laying my head on the pew and sleeping. It was nice. And they had some, you know, there would be people praying at the altar, people all over, I'd be sleeping under the pew. I was just so comfortable, just raised around people praying. and cry. Of course, I didn't never feel nothing myself. And, um, you know, I started growing up, and I picked up some, you know, lifestyles. There's the lifestyle of being a Christian, but I never had the personal experience myself, and I grew up. I grew up in church, and I seen people come in that were addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol. They had all kinds of things. I seen people that were blind, people that were in wheelchairs, that blinded eyes were open. I seen people st stand up after being prayed for in a wheelchair and walk and run. I seen people that... The, even the dead being raised, I seen the miraculous in my life. So I definitely believed it. When people say would say that stuff in the New Testament, that was for them then. It's not for us today. I'd say, no, I've actually seen these things. Jamie, you've probably seen some of those things down in Orangeville. I remember as a little kid. And so I remember just seeing, and people would say stuff, and I go, uh, no, it, it, it does happen. It happens today. I've seen the miraculous, even my dad, the miraculous in, in our church. I've seen people healed. It's not for just for them then. It's for us today. And so there was a time in my life that I had this lifestyle. And I was there, and my mom would say to me, and people would say to me, are you going to be a minister or a pastor like your dad? And I'd say, no, that's never going to happen. That'll never happen. I will not be a pastor. <laughs> I will not be, you know, I can't stand in front of people and talk because I'm too shy. Right, Michael? <laughs> I just can't do it. I'm just, I'm way too shy. I'm just, it's, it's too hard for me. And 
people, my mom would give me a hard time. People would say, oh, you, no, you, you. I go, no, my dad's a people person, and I'm real quiet and shy. Right, Sister McAtee? I'm quiet and shy. I was. <laughs> I was quiet and shy at one time in my life. And so I, I was determined. But I remember one day um, being at junior camp, and all the kids were going up, and they were praying at the altar, and I went up because that's you know, all the kids went up, you know, peer pressure. So I went up, and I was just kneeling there, and I felt the presence of the Lord. And I, I couldn't control what I was feeling, and I began to weep. Anyone ever experienced that? You felt the presence of God. You really didn't. You just, I just felt it. And I remember somebody, a, a minister, came and put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, the Lord is calling you. You need to do what he's calling you to do. I, I don't know what he's calling me to do. <laughs> but okay, maybe he's going to have me do something. So that was a defining moment in my life. Later on, I was at youth convention, and I was maybe 12 or 13, and the minister was standing there, and he was looking over the all the young people, and he said, if your dad is a pastor or a minister, he said, I want you to stand up. So I'm sitting there, and I didn't want to stand up. But my mom was there, and she said, stand up. <laughs> so I stood up, and uh, he said, you know, many of you are in ministry. It's like living in a fishbowl. You know, your dad's the pastor, your dad's a minister, and everyone's looking at you just to see, you know, if you're living up to what your dad preaches and teaches. They look at the preacher's kids, right? So I wasn't the greatest example, right, Sister Mac? You can say amen to this. <laughs> Sister Mac, go ahead. Say, go ahead. You can say it. Just say amen. Um. Because Sister McAtee and Brother McAtee, they were my youth leaders. <laughs> so they got to see me as a teenager, you know. And so, you know, I uh, was standing there, and, and then I felt the presence of God. And I remember at youth convention, I just began, began to weep, and I just said, okay, God, I've been fighting against this long enough. I've been saying there's no way that it's possible. So if you want me to do something today, I'm going to tell you I will do it. That was a defining moment in my life. And then as time goes by, I have many different experiences, defining moments in my life. Um, and so you probably have experiences like I could tell I can be here all day telling stories. But these moments in your life when you're almost, you feel pressured and forced to make a decision. And today's that day. And I want to encourage you. I think that there are some people here that the Lord has been reaching out to you for a long time. I believe that every person in this room that God has reached for you, every person. And you know, there may be something, it could be a dream, it could be a vision, it could be something, but you think, I think that was God. And I think it was. And I think God's been reaching for you your entire life. So my statement to you is choose today who you will serve. Will you serve your own ambitions, your own desires? Or will you serve what God has for your life? What he has purposed for your life? And he does have a purpose for your life. I bite my tongue, brothers and sisters, because I feel like there are people in this church that have a calling on their life, but I don't want them to respond because I said something. So sometimes I pray, God, help them to see it. Help them to see the calling, because I'm not the one who calls them. He's the one who calls and so there are people here today that the Lord's been dealing with you for a long time, and you need to make the decision today. I want to encourage you to respond 
as the children of Israel did in Joshua chapter 24, and say, you know what? We will serve the Lord. We will serve him. I mean, that's what I want to encourage you to do today. Amen. So that's it. I'm going to open this altar. If you would like to come forward and pray, if you would like to come and seek the Lord, if you would like to stay where you're seated, whatever you feel the most comfortable with. But let's just take some time and let's just begin to seek the Lord because he does have a plan. He has something for your life. And I want to encourage you to respond to that call.